Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson, and me, Steve Judge. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. I've uh, so as you, as the T2 Hub listeners know, we yeah. record many podcasts, Steve, on all sorts of topics from leadership, performance psychology, sales, management, whatever it might be, and we try to give practical advice and tips okay. for people on the move, on the go, to <clears throat> implement in their everyday. But every now and then, we love to get a special guest in from. Uh-huh. All walks of life. We've had sportsmen and women. We've had the military guys. We've had coaches. We've had all sorts of stuff. uh, Business leaders. Um, But today, I you were speaking in Hull earlier today. Yeah, at the business culture, at the business culture Hull, and uh, you were a guest speaker for me at T Two Talks back in. November, was it? November. Yeah, I loved it. Great memory. I can't even remember when our <laughs> events are. And uh, you went down like a house on fire. I mean, you were just phenomenal. And and I've got to say, and I will say it, um, probably one of the best speakers I've witnessed in oh, a wow. live forum. And I've seen a lot and I've worked with a lot. Great. Um, and, and therefore, I wouldn't hesitate, as I have done, in recommending you elsewhere. However, what I wanted to get you on for today, Steve, is yeah. to just chew the fat or pick your brains on a few things. Mm-hmm mindset you know one of the things that um you radiate i believe is a positive outlook on life yeah yeah Uh, you are one of those people where when you spend 10 minutes in your company you leave somehow feeling better about yourself and the situation yeah Yeah. and i mean that sincerely thank you um and you leave an impression and you make an impression on people which which i don't think can be taught sometimes i don't know even if you're conscious of the the way you're doing it i'm quite ignorant to a lot of this i know people tell me that i'm positive and they they just after speaking to me, they feel better within themselves, more positive, more get up and go. And I think, oh, that's great. And it's a, it's a lovely compliment, but I don't really know what I've done apart from just spoken what we were talking about in yeah. the way that I do it. Yeah, absolutely. And therefore, that's the endearing thing because it is a, an unconscious thing. So let's just give, for people who don't know who you are, Steve, because yes. there will be some people who don't know <gasps> really? who you are, right? You sure, some people out there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So so Steve, I'll, I'll do a little intro and then I'll yeah. let you do it because you can do it far better than I can. Okay. But Steve... Uh, is a two-time para-triathlete world champion. Correct. Is that yes, correct? I always is. struggle to get that in as a mouthful. What is it? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and 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 you are, you are that, but you're much more than that and have been much more than that. But I that's have. sort of where, where you know, a lot of your talks sort of build up to. Yeah. But prior to that, you experienced a level of adversity that would probably, uh, may, you know, be enough to cripple most human, literally, yeah. most human beings. And it could, it, it could dramatically change your life in a way where you could easily get caught up in feeling sorry for yourself, yeah. staying at home, not working, whatever it might be. But you've come out of that and... And now you do what you do, yep. which is wonderful. So mm-hmm. do you want to add a little bit more to that? What happened to you okay. in a synopsis in a synopsis, and what has it led to in your life? What do you do now? Okay. So um, adversity happened to me, and I think everybody has adversity in their life, and no one should ever compare their adversity or what ha- what's happened to other people. So this is what happened to me was 2002. Um, I had a near-fatal car accident. I, I skidded off the road. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just a bad accident. I got both my legs crushed. Um, I got taken to the newest hostel, which is in Sheffield. They saved my life. Um, I, I forget about that bit sometimes. I, I always talk about my legs. My legs were crushed, my legs, you know. And 
I, I've just written my my book, which I'll probably mention loads, but it's, that's only because it's, it's reminded me of the story. As I went into the operating theatre, they went to save my legs, but they also went to save my life. They didn't know whether I was going to come out the other end. Um, I did, clearly, because I'm on the radio uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, eight hours later, came out. They said, look, we fixed your legs. Uh, job done. However, because of the severity of the injuries, you may never walk again. And and that's the turning point. That's a massive turning point in my life there where it was pretty much a fight or flight. The flight being just just roll over in bed and give in and say, I guess I'll never walk. And the, the opposite being being the fight. Being I remember being really angry, really angry that somebody had the audacity to say that to me. They didn't even know me. And they were telling me that I may never walk. I looked down, I had two legs. Um, yeah, they were messed up. But I just thought, kind of like bring it on. What do I need to do to, to get better? What do I need to do? To get my 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 right leg, I had to to grow back. I had a massive metal cage around it. I had to grow it back. I had to do so much physio rehabilitation, and all the time, it was very much. I remember one point with the physio, I was doing like twenty two different exercises uh, to, to get better, and I just said, "Is there anything else I can do? What more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? I want to get better. These are my legs. I want to get out of this hospital and go home." When I was at home. When I got discharged, you know, nobody was looking over me, really. Um, I was doing the physio myself. Yeah, my my fiance at the time was there as she went off to work. The physios I met up with every week. But in those seven days, there was just me alone at home. Mm. And I did the physio. So let me ask you a question on that, Steve, because that's 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 a sort of a, a amazing drive almost from the outset to to get back on your feet, literally, yeah. and start and start recovering. Now, here's my first question for you then. Was you always like that? Right. Or did the accident and the adversity trigger something in you that wasn't there before? Or have you always been that type of person in life who mm. you get up, you get on with it, you be resilient and, and you always focus on what you want to achieve? Or did that did that change you, that accident? OK, I think I think that it was it was definitely in, inside me, this this get up and go. I talk about um, scouting a lot in my journey yeah. and how. As a scout, I used to be the scout that take the, took the badge book home and flicked through it and looking for the next badge that I wanted. And then I'd ask for help to, to work towards it and I'd get that badge and put it on my arm. I was very proud of it. So, yeah, I was setting goals then and I was working towards them. And I loved that. Um, but then on the other side, at school, in work, no, not so really. What, what was your career, Steve, before the accident? What, what, what did you do for a living? Because obviously you're a motivational speaker now. Yeah. But what, what did you do before the accident? So I left school. I worked down the pit. Um, as a right. maintenance fitter. Um, then after that, I worked in a laboratory doing uh, quality checking. And then before the accident, oh no, then that, that was before the accident. So that was it. So I was working in a laboratory, um, just quality checking. So not I, very aspirational. I can't imagine you doing that. <laughs> I know. I, the, the, you know, you are larger than life. You like, you love people. You yeah. love engaging with people. So I could just have this, I have this picture of you now, Steve, in a laboratory in a white outfit with <laughs> yeah. gloves on, yeah. checking stuff. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like you. Very, very solemn. I think the, 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 the stranger comparison <laughs> was um, before I became a motivational speaker, I was, uh, this is while I was uh, elite athlete, was I worked in health and safety in construction. So I did that for nine years. Now, you know, I was one of the most hated people there because, you know, I would have to go and do these, these site audits and to go and check the health and safety, make sure everybody's safe, doing things correctly. And so to go onto a construction site, if I told them I was coming, they would prepare. So I had to do it all cloak and dagger. 
So I couldn't tell anybody in the office I was going. I couldn't tell anybody on site that I was going to come there. I had to arrive there, find my own way there, try to get onto the site to make sure that it was secure. When I got onto the site, they looked at me, their eyes rolled, and went, hey, Steve. And that was it. And uh, Steve's, Steve's here. Steve's, yeah. oh, flip here, yeah. next. Steve's here. And then I was very polite and walked walk around. And every time I went to these construction sites, it, there always seemed to be a tea break that was going on. I could walk around the whole site. There'd be nobody working. <laughs> well, who, whose drill is this? Don't know. Okay. Well, whose machine is this? Don't know. So whose frayed cable is this? Don't know. <laughs> just nobody was there. And so I got everybody, you know, I, I did the audit. And uh, the other thing you have to do is, is uh, toolbox talks. So you gather everybody in a group. And you literally spend 10 minutes patronizing them on how to do their job, which they don't really like. It's kind of teaching them how to suck but, eggs. You know what, Steve? <laughs> it, you know, you look at the laboratory job and you look at construction, health and safety. They are the two most unlikely jobs I would ever put you in. You know, know. You, are, you are larger than life and you, are, you have a, a, a sort of a, I was going to use the word enigma, right? Okay. You, and, and, but you're totally the polar opposite of, of, yeah. of the working class man on the building site, right? I know, you know? I am. Yeah. So I can only imagine you pitching up as health and safety <laughs> <laughs> and the absolute stick you used to yeah. get on them sites. Yeah. So let me, let me just fast forward back to the accent. So yeah. you did jobs that you did, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you enjoyed them and you yeah, got paid yeah. for them and all the rest of it. But I, it doesn't strike me that that ever seemed like your calling. Correct. Whereas yeah. what you are doing now, are you being an inspirational, motivational speaker and going into schools and in the business world and in and trying to educate people on how you can overcome adversity in life and how you can, what you call, reach your goals, how yeah. you can succeed and succeed and set targets and goals. It's inspirational stuff, but it's like you found your calling. Yeah, yeah. So do you believe that? I mean, I'm not saying that if you could go back, you would have that accident again, but everything for a reason, right? Do you, is part of you sort of embrace that yeah i think so it's quite a common question i get asked is um if i could go back in time would i change the accident so it never happened it's like a fork in my life the accident happened what if it had accident hadn't have happened what would i have done and that, the answer is i don't know what i would have done uh, would i change uh what happened my answer at the moment is yes which might sound bizarre but let me explain you know on that day I nearly died. On that day, I, I went through so much pain. My family, my friends went through so much uh, turmoil and pain and sorrow. Um, and it's also rehabilitation, which took me three years. It was just hell. It was literally hell on earth. No sleep, no pain, subjecting pain on myself through physio. And even now today, I'm very happy. Let me just clarify that. <laughs> but I get pain every single day. You know, I, I struggle to get a pair of trousers on. I nearly fall over every day. But when I walk, when I when I stand, when I when I run, I get pain. And I don't like that. And I don't know what's coming up in the next five, ten years. I could get back in a wheelchair. Um, things might get worse. I don't think about that because I'm very positive. Yeah. But I don't know. So the thing is, would I turn back time and change it? The answer is yes. However, you can't. You can't turn back time. It can't be done. So it's a case of things happen in life, and it's how you deal with it. This is what I'm doing. So I'm dealing with it. And a massive adversity happened in my life, and I was able to take responsibility, take ownership of that, and say, right, let's crack on. What, what do I need to do to get out of this? And I set my goals, and I set my goals high, and I wanted to get back to normal. That was my goal, get back to normal, get out of this hospital, get this cage off my leg, get walking again, get running again. After three years or more, I realized that I couldn't reach that goal that I'd set myself. There is no such thing as normal. I, I suddenly realized that I was very different to what I was before the accident. And that was a, a bit of a shell shock. 
but also it's, it's a massive message that I share with lots of people now is that there is no such thing as normal. You have to think about what you can do rather than what you can't do. And that's the mindset that I had to, to get into. And as soon as I, I got into that mindset and accepted that, I thought, right, let, let's just go through that again. What can I do? What can I do? Let's do that. I can swim. I can bike. Well, let's do that. What else can I do? And I was I always it. asking myself, yeah. I love it because you probably remember, Steve, from my talk at T2 Talks before yours, yeah. I, um, I talk a lot to our customers and to people about challenge state, challenge and threat state. And it's a similar thing to what you're saying. Yeah. The challenge state is focus on what you control and what you can achieve rather than the consequence of what may happen, which is a threat state. And, um, you know, everything you was you was talking around there is that you are utterly in a challenge state. Now, I can imagine in the early weeks and months after your accident, you weren't always there. No. You will have had your moments where you are completely focused on the consequence of what this means for me going yeah. forward, right? Or what I can't do going forward. But somehow you've switched yourself into that challenge state and look at it, it's working wonderfully well. You mentioned something there that I want to pick up on. Um, you know, what's normal, Ugh. right? I mean, I've got as people know, I've got Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune condition where my my body attacks healthy tissues in my body. My immune system fires up and thinks there's foreign invaders and it attacks healthy tissues. And I get an array of problems and symptoms as a result of that. And um, I spent some time thinking, well, I just want to feel normal again. I remember mm. saying that. I just I said to my wife, I just want to feel normal. And a year or so on, a few years on, I've sort of, my normal is now different. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it so does. I, I, res you've, I resonated with what you said then because I, my previous normal yes. is not no longer relevant <laughs> to me. Yep. So what's my normal now or what's my state where I can remain in a challenged state and, yeah. and, and operate? And I think that's really important. It is. Otherwise it is. you become con consumed by the what if or why can't I just go back? Why can't I just feel? Why can't I run a marathon? Why, you know, whatever it might be. So you've got to adapt is what you're saying. You have. And you use the exact same term that I use, my normal, as in that's me. You, you've got to think about yourself, maybe in a selfish way. I don't know. But whatever you do, stop comparing yourself to other people, to your friends, to your family, to your peers, to your colleagues, to celebrities. There's loads of people out there that are constantly comparing themselves to other people. Now, that might be quite difficult coming from me, who's uh, been an elite athlete, because I'm comparing myself to the other athletes. But am I really? I think the message that I learned throughout my, my journey was very much to be the best that I could be. Now, once I was the best that I could be, the results are the results. And it's the same with everything that you do. If you go for a job interview, if, you, if you, you know, you're setting up your business, you're doing something in that, as long as you're the best that you can be, and I mean the absolute best, you've got no regrets, the result is the result. You've yeah. got to go with that. I love that, Steve. Yeah. You're, doing, you're sending shivers down my spine already. <laughs> We're only 15 minutes in. So, you know, okay, I love that. So... So fast track to uh, post-accident, you yep. did rehabilitate and, you know, we won't go too on too much about it because I know you deliver it fantastically well in your talks. <laughs> um, but you're you're now a few years on. Um, you are a very, very successful speaker. Yep. I think you was Yorkshire's number one speaker. Was it last year? 2017, 2018. Yeah, which Jeez. is an amazing yep. achievement. Some great speakers on the circuit in, in our region, mm. as you know, Steve. Absolutely. Um you know, you are now just about to launch your first book and yes. become an author. Yeah. I had the privilege of pre-scanning it and reading it. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I loved it, and I think uh, I would recommend, and we'll do it at the end of this podcast, but I'd recommend anybody to keep a lookout for that and, mm. and order, uh, which basically takes them, what's the book called, Steve? It's called Don't Lean on Your Excuses. Don't Le- Which is one of your strap lines in your talks, isn't yeah. it? It's easy to lean on the excuses as why yeah. as to why you can't do things. Absolutely. There's so many excuses out there. There's the zoodles of them. Uh, you've got to make sure you don't get them mixed up with fact. If it's fact, then fair enough. You can't do something, but if it's an excuse... It's an excuse. Don't lean on it. Turn that excuse into a challenge and then, then, then crack on with it. You know, it's like a barrier. It's like a, a barrier or something that's stopping you. You've got, to, you've got to smash through that barrier. And if you can see it as an excuse, turn it into a challenge, bash through it, away you go. Yeah. Okay, so I want to come on to something else. Uh, I always ask speakers about this because having a fellow speaker on the podcast, I love it because okay. we are um, – we are a little bit of an enigma where I'm sure your friends say this, Steve, to you, where my friends down the pub will say, you're crazy. You know, how do you get up at these conferences in front of hundreds of people and do what you do? Because the number one global fear, Steve, is public speaking. It is. Yeah. Right. And and it's because of that fight or flight, that that survival mechanism in us that says, what if people judge you? What if you don't go down very well? What if you don't get a great reception? What if, what if? So, but for speakers like us, we're a bit weird in yeah. the way that we actually we actually harness that and channel it into adrenaline because yeah. we get total fulfillment from that buzz oh, yeah. of doing it. And and not many people out there can relate to that, Steve. Do you know no. what I mean? Not many people can relate to it. So, But one of the things for me you have to be as a speaker is you have to know your subject inside out Yep, and you have to be incredibly passionate about what you are speaking about. Yeah. Without those two ingredients, the knowledge and the passion – you could, you could even without the passion, right? You could have the best subject matter in the world, but you're not going to engage. Yep. What, as a speaker, and the thousands of gigs you've done, mm-hmm. what do you have a secret? Do you have a technique, or are you just you? <laughs> and and it's just happening whether you know it or not. Oh you know, goodness. as a speaker. Um... So I think a lot of people have this fear of speaking. Usually something's happened in their, their childhood. Sounds like I'm a counselor now, but something like something at, at school where they might have stood up uh, maybe in their teenage years and somebody laughed or somebody joked and they, they, they remember that and that's a fear. Um, I can't remember any such thing with that. I can remember being best man three times um, and that's, that was hard. And I remember being so nervous because when you're best man, you are the funny guy. You are, oh, I can't wait for the best man's yeah, speech. Yeah, you yeah. are going to be amazing, Steve. And you're like, really? Okay. So I did that three times and each time it went really well. So I think that has given me the confidence. Uh, going through my health and safety, which we talked about, it's not the best subject in the world. People, I remember doing a, a health and safety training session just before I started. I said, any questions before we start? And one of the questions was, quite a common question was, when does it finish? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, yeah, when thanks. can I get out of here? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I did also get some compliments saying that is the best health and safety training I've ever had because I made it something different. I, I use passion, which is what you talked about. Uh, then you, you, you just talked about knowing the subject. All I do is I talk about me. I can't go wrong, surely. So um, (laughs) I I love what I've done. I've got a very inspiring story. I talk about it with passion, and then I enhance that. I always think about what more I can do, what more I can do, what more I can do. I watch other speakers. I watch comedy, uh, comedians on the stage, Michael McIntyre. People compare me with Michael McIntyre. People compare me with with Chris Akabuski. People compare me with other speakers, which is so nice but I am myself. I'm very authentic. You are. You are. And you know what? I'm smiling here because I do the same thing. I watch. I don't watch programs like other people watch them. I watch programs to see how actors and how comedians and how performers 
uh, use their body language on stage yep. and how, and I'm not even listening to the content, right? Because I'm observing people and I, and I take a lot of things away from that. One of the things I was really impressed with that T2 talk, Steve, from you was your use of props. Right. One of the, one of the uh, spine chilling moments, and I'm not going to spoil it, over spoil it, but you use things. I, I mean, you won't yeah, mind me saying, yeah, you use the the bone, you know, yeah. the, 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 the the stick, stick yeah. to snap the stick yeah. in the auditorium, which signifies when you broke your leg. Yeah. And that spine-chilling moment of hearing the stick snap yeah, and then the severity hitting home of what happened to you, yeah, it's just a... I was I was going to say it's a wonderful way to think it's not <laughs> it's just a genius way to captivate an audience in the moment yeah. on a really salient point yeah and I thought you did that really well you Thank know you. throughout throughout it so I think yes for anybody out there who's listening to this if you're a manager in a business and and I'm, I want to link it into something else you said if you're somebody a team leader has to stand up in front of a group and speak every Friday morning in the in the operational roundup if you're the health and safety guy who goes on site and you have to address a group of you know where just because your subject matter isn't necessarily an overly exciting one doesn't mean that you can't deliver it with passion yeah. and deliver it well. Um, because I have people saying to me all the time, yeah, but when you're speaking about this, how do you capture people's attention? But it can be done, Steve. It can. It can yeah, be done. Just tell a story. It's all about storytelling. And if you tell a story... Uh, one, people love stories. My goodness me. We, we did it as, as cavemen, women. We did it for, what, 250 million years. We used to go out on the hunt, come back, sat, sit around a fire, tell us about the hunt, tell us the story. So we love that. Nowadays, we, we, people sit around a, a television and they listen to stories. It's not the same thing. If you get somebody that's standing there telling a story, people will lean forward. They're engaged. They want to know, know more. Now, if you tell that story in the right way, and this is what I do as a speaker coach, is, is I get the, the story out of people by getting them to, to be emotional about it, getting the highs, the lows, uh, and also you know, the comedy factor as well. But the, the most important thing is, is that you don't speak from a script. You don't speak from your, your memories, but you speak from the heart. Absolutely. When you speak from the heart, people can, there's a difference. There's just an absolute difference and people will engage with you more and they will be on your journey. And you, yeah, like you said, Martin, you've got to know the subject. Uh, for me, it's easy. It's all about me. But when I was doing health and safety, I knew the subject. And if I didn't know what I was talking about, I would say, mm. I do not know about that. I will come back to that later. I would not dig myself a hole. That's yeah. the worst thing ever. Yeah, a bit of humility goes a long way for yeah. a speaker. And I think... You know, you you hit on a great point. If you know your subject matter inside out, then you don't have to be scripted yeah. because it is there. Yeah, right? it's there, and you can go anywhere, anywhere you want with it, and stay correct, and stay inspiring, and stay motivational. I never speak from a script. In fact, I, I sometimes you know get invited for these speaking gigs or get booked, and they ask me to send me their slides, and I say, well, look, I've got a few visual ones, but. I'm generally not knowing how it's going to go until the day, right? <laughs> what you know, it's, it's sort of it could go anywhere. But I like that, and you like that. Mm. So, uh, but if people are nervous, having prompts is better than a script. And what I yep. mean by that, Steve, is someone needs to give them, keep themselves on track because yep. they're nervous. Have prompt cards which just says. I'm talking about this. Yeah. And then you can put your arms down. You can speak oh, from yeah. the heart. And then maybe you can flick the card to the back Absolutely. and just your next prompt is there. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about next. And prompts are better than scripts, if anything. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, prompt cards is, is a classic one. Or if you're going to use slides, then use the slide. The slide can be the next prompt, the next part of the yeah, journey. absolutely. Um, but whatever. It, the thing is, you've got to make sure that it doesn't make you nervous. So some people say, I'd like to use slides, but you know, what if it goes wrong? What if I don't know how to use it? What if the tech doesn't work? Okay, if you're getting too nervous about it, scrap it. Yeah. Don't make yourself nervous. Don't make it too complicated for yourself. Today, I did not play a video at the end because I was just not too sure about the timing, wasn't too sure about the tech. 
I thought, scrap it. I'm not going to make myself nervous. The video can be next time I go there. If anybody says, you know, that was a great talk, amazing, I will say, will you wait till part two? And you know what, Steve? To your point, before I move on to my final question, to your point, right, nobody knows that you had a video at the end of that deck. (laughs) There's only you who knows it's not being played. And this is what I say to people. Even if I go wrong, even if I watch something back and I thought, oh, I said that wrong there, (laughs) nobody else knows it's wrong because people don't know what you're going to say, right? So you're you're in control is what I'm saying. People don't know Steve Judge didn't play a video today, right? Because they wasn't expecting it beforehand. So, so yeah, loosen up with that and, and, and it'll give you the confidence that there's only you who knows if you've gone wrong, Yeah, right, if at all. Okay, so one of the last things I want to ask you about, Steve, yeah. um, is we are doing a lot of work at the minute on well-being in the workplace and mental health and uh-huh. stress. Okay. I, I mentioned it in my talk around some of the inputs in the brain per day um, we have at the moment, the generations coming through, 24-hour sensationalist media, access <clears throat> to social media oh. and world events. <clears throat> you know, we, we could potentially be raising the most anxious generation the world's ever seen. There's more and more uh, cases of mental health now, et cetera. Um, I I have a firm opinion on this and I want to try and help make a difference. And I talk about we've got to take some level of accountability and control as well Yeah. Um, through that, that mindset and that thinking. But what's your view on this? I mean, you're obviously a resilient person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's not to say that when it happened, you didn't struggle or wobble for a period of time yeah. like the best of us. Absolutely. But what do you think on the subject matter of of mental health and managing stress and trying to, to um, you know, come out of those moments if if we're struggling. I think, let me just tell the story of when I, I was going, it's probably a year, yeah, it was a year after my initial accident. Things weren't going well. I couldn't get my right leg straight, which is very important, else you walk with a limp for the rest of your life, bone doesn't grow correctly, etc. It was massive. I did so much physio, none of it was working. I was feeling demoralized. Um, my only solution was to have another double cage put on my leg, which meant just so much trauma. I went through hell on earth for about seven weeks. And around that time, because it was a year anniversary, I couldn't help but think where I was the year before. And on top of that, because it was a year after the accident, I got a letter through from my employers saying, I'm really sorry, it's been a year, Uh, we're going to have to let you go. I I couldn't have got much lower. I was reading my diary uh, a couple of months ago, and it said, um, I felt that I had no purpose. I think when you get to that point, you can't get much lower. And you know, to to cut to the chase, I I burst into tears. It was that kind of crying that I couldn't stop kind of crying that when I stopped, it just built up inside and came out over and over again, day after day after day. And I did nothing. I did nothing all day for four days. Now, on the fifth day, I remember looking, coming across all my physio equipment. I hadn't touched it. It was just collecting dust. I saw the physio charts that I hadn't filled in. All the hard work that I'd done was just undone, being undone. I hated that. And I remember catching myself in the mirror and I was unshaved and unwashed and I hated myself. And it was that moment where I just thought, I hate being the person that I've become. I don't want to be. It's, at that point, it wasn't about the goals. It wasn't about walking again or anything about getting the cage off. It, I just did not want to be where I was at that moment in time. And from that moment, I stopped crying and I picked myself up and I started doing the physio again and started moving forward. I realized that it was only me that could do something about it. Now, how that relates to, to, to the question about mental health is when adversity h- hits, and I'm talking about present day now, and it might be something small, like I've lost my damn car keys again on my yeah. phone or my wallet or something else even bigger than that. I think the most important thing and something you can't help is to sulk. Uh, I think I'm a bit. I think it's really good to to sulk. Admit to yourself that you are sulking. I'm sulking. I'm really upset, really angry. I'm sulking. 
the thing is, is you've got to decide how long you're going to sulk for. Be open to yourself. Is it an hour? Is it a day? A couple of days? I mean, us men, we can sulk for days if, if you let us. But you've got to talk to yourself about how long am I going to let this go on for? Because at some point, you know you're going to stop. So decide when. Mm. Is it going to be sooner or later? <clears throat> and once you decide that, you know, you're going to stop, what are you going to do about it? Take action. From a health and safety point of view, what am I going to put in place to make sure that this never, ever, ever happens again? You've got to put something in place. Yeah. You've got to take action. Love that. Because I always, and it'll sort of come up to the wrap-up point, Steve, with a few minutes we've got left, I I always say I fully wholeheartedly believe in that. And I think, you know, we when we don't take action, when there's inaction, mm. it leads to procrastination, worry, and then threat state focusing on consequence. But when we decide that we're going to be accountable for getting ourselves out of this yeah. and, and we start making bloody decisions, yeah. there is nothing more powerful than a decided mind. Yeah. And and that and, and for, for the some people out there where there there is a bigger issue um or there is you feel overwhelmed or it's not just a case of a few decisions, but that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. It's the only thing you can focus on, no yeah. matter how big. I need to start making some decisions, right? And I need to start having a decided mind. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to educate our kids on, yep. our workers on, our managers, whatever it might be. So Steve Judge with 60 seconds left. Any final thoughts from you for any listeners out there on anything around just getting on, getting ahead, being productive? Uh, on the mental health side, I have a big thing at the moment I want to exaggerate more is about getting to the start line. As an elite athlete, some of my friends were injured. They couldn't get to the start line. And I learned from them. I had to do injury prevention. I had to look after myself, my wellness, do yoga, tai chi. It wasn't about being faster, stronger or anything like that. It's about getting to that start line, looking after yourself, listening to your body and, and taking note of it. So that's something I, I just want everybody to take away from this. It's, it's so important to look after your health and go forward with that. Love it, Steve. Steve, Judge, I could talk to you all day. You inspire me, mate. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you, Martin. And don't forget to check Steve's book out. When is it out, Steve, quickly? Let's say 1st of July. 1st of July, yep. Steve's book, which is called? It's called Don't Lean On Your Excuses, website www.steve-judge.co.uk. More details there. Awesome. And Or you can contact us and we'll get it for you. Steve Judge, thank you very much. Thank you. 